This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So since we are uh, dealing with these questions, again, we want to always be reminded of the definition of marriage because that's where family begins, amen. It begins with a husband and wife. It begins with a marriage covenant. So um, to that end, let's be reminded of that. And the definition of marriage is that marriage is a divine institution created by God whereby two rational Free moral agents who are born again choose to enter into covenant with another imperfect person, another imperfect person for a lifetime. And so this next question that we will be addressing, it has a lot of unknown variables. It was very long. And it had a lot of unknown variables. So we will, we will try to tackle this as succinctly as possible with the information that we have been given. It, it, it had a lot of different components, a lot of different parts. So we are breaking this question down so that we can address it properly. And we, we will be addressing this question over the next couple of Sundays. Um, so this week, we will address the following questions. What do you do if your spouse does not allow the Holy Spirit to guide and govern consistently? What do you do if there has been a breach of trust? You've chosen to stay together but haven't reconciled. Now, again, I want to remind you that these questions came from people, not us. We did not make these up. They came from people. How do you work through the heartache, chip away the hardness of heart due to guarding against being vulnerable to additional potential letdown? What are the tools for how to realistically apply the tools of praying for wisdom, strength, and mercies when you and your spouse are not aligned spiritually? How do you handle past childhood experiences that factor into or contributes to not knowing how to fully love, especially during times of brokenness? And finally, how do you put in the unseen and the seen, I'm going to add and the seen work to fix yourself individually while working on the marriage relationship? Okay, so again, that's, that was all one question. All of that was in one question. So we've broken that down, and uh, we're addressing those accordingly. Minister Martin. to teach and hopefully it, it comes across but you know it's, there's a promise of peace out there and I'll say it this way it's in John chapter 14 I'm not going to tell you exactly where the scripture is and, and probably within the midst of this session today I'll tell you why I'm not going to tell you but Jesus says peace I leave with you my peace give I unto you 
Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Again, these are one of the things we try to teach. The promise of peace is in salvation. The promise of peace is in Jesus Christ. And because you have the promise of peace with Jesus, it's very possible. Now, it's in Jesus. It's not in marriage. The promise of peace is not in marriage. Now, I'm not saying this to say that you can't have peace in marriage. What I'm saying is that you first have to cultivate, you have to nurture that peace you have through the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, and maybe this will jog your memory, but I remember ministering on this and the portion that we talked about uh, uh, ministering to the family, is that because you have peace, you can bring in the Rome of Christ into your marriage. And it's very important because what happens is, don't forget, the enemy tries to play mind games. So he tries to get you off of the thoughts of peace with, uh, through Christ and get, you, get your mind on what's going on in the midst of the marriage. And I'm going to tell you right now, people have peace with or and without marriage. People have peace where everything is going good in the marriage, and people have peace when everything is not going good in the marriage. You can still have peace, and it's very important. And I'm, I'm saying this, and I'm not going to get into this too deep, but it's going to be important in everything else we say when we answer this question, because if you get your mind off of the peace you have through Jesus Christ with God, you'll have the wrong response. You will not do that which is proper. And what you will end up doing is getting deeper and deeper. Don't let the frustrations of marriage pull you away from the peace you have through Jesus Christ. This is one of the songs I love. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. You know, we face challenges each and every day. And sometimes we don't want to get up and face the challenges. But when you remember you have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ, you can go on. So everything else we're going to say from this point forward, you've got to grab a hold of that. Hold on to that because that is going to enable you to do what you need to do moving forward. Amen. And I just want to come in. Uh, Minister Martin was talking about don't let the frustrations of marriage get you away from your peace with God. Frustration, frustration is real. You get frustrated. But the thing about it is you have peace with God, so you work through that frustration. Don't stay in a state of frustration because when you're in a state of frustration, you can't be productive. You can't get away from what you're in. So remember, emotions are real. Things will come up and they will frustrate us, but we, we have that and we work through it. So we get frustrated when we want a result or we want something to change that we can't necessarily get what we want. We can't get the change. We can't get the result that we want. So we get frustrated. And what you have to remember is you can't change what you don't have control over. In the question, um, it talked about the spouse. You can't change your spouse. You can't change the past. Talk about past hurts and things that have happened. You can't change those things. But what you can do is you can change you. And I'm going to give you some, some things in the question. It was like, what are realistic steps? So I'm going to give you some realistic steps here, some things, and I think they're pretty concrete, what you can do. And what I want you to look at and as you're listening here, I'm going to give you steps, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you do one, two, or three. You can do all these at the same time. The thing about it is when you decide to make a change, you decide to make a change. The change may not be seen right away, but you've already decided. In your mind, you are sold out to that change you're making. So don't say, well, I've got to do this, this, and this, and it's going to take me weeks. No, just say, I'm on the path there. So first thing you want to do is... Um, well, I said first, but remember, these are all, you can do them in, at the same time. you got to forgive. you got to forgive. You have to forgive your spouse. 
you got to forgive other people in your past that may have hurt you and disappointed you. You cannot hold on to that. As long as you're, remember, you're going to let that go. You're going to cancel the debt. Yeah, it happened, but no longer does it have an effect on you like that. It's not, it's no longer holding you hostage. That's what I mean. Let it go. So you let that go, and you say, well, how do I let it go? You say, I, I, I let it go. No longer is that going to hold me hostage. When it comes back in your mind, just say, no, I let it go. Then you've got to ask God to heal your broken heart. Go to um, Psalms uh, 147. We're going to flip over there. A lot of times we'll say God is the healer. He's my healer. But what you have to realize, yes, he wants to heal you physically, but he wants to heal you emotionally. It's just not God. The whole teaching that we did a ministry to the family, it was spirit, soul, and body. God's not just interested in one part of you. He's interested in all of you. So um, Psalms 147 and 3. Let me get over here to it. It says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. And one, one translation says, He comforts their sorrows. The thing about it is you have to remember who God is and what He said He would do. And when you, when you go to God and you ask Him, God, heal my broken heart, comfort me, you have to believe that God is going to do that. You can't say, you can't say like, oh, when God heals you, you say, I'm surprised. No, you believe fully. You're going in faith. So you've got to believe and you've got to trust God and allow Him to heal you. That's the thing. If you keep holding on to these hurts and nursing them, and every time you think about it, you just get back in that, oh, it hurts so much and I can't believe this happened to me, you, you're not going to be healed because you're going back to the hurt. God is saying, God is saying, let me tell you what I want you to do. I'm going to heal you. Now, yes, that happened. And yes, it hurt. It's, it's real. It's real. Those things, you can't change them. They've happened. But what I want you to do is now I want you to focus on my word. Go over to Isaiah 26. Let's, let's look at this. I like this scripture. Isaiah 26. Uh, we're going to look at verses 3 and 4. But you're going to trust God. So, trusting God means you're going to rely on him. That means, okay, here's a good example. I am relying on this chair. My weight is on this chair. I am not concerned with falling on the floor right now because I trust this chair. So when those feelings, when that heartbreak comes back up, I remember that scripture over in Psalms, way he heals the brokenhearted. So I trust that even though I may have this, this feeling, God heals the brokenhearted. I am his. He's going to heal me. He is healing me. He is God. He's the one who's doing all these things. So I'm relying and trusting in him. So let's go over to um, Isaiah chapter 26. We're going to read verses 3 and 4. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. So there it is right there. I know it seems like sometimes we want to say, God, show me what to do. Show me, do I need to put my right shoe on first or my left shoe? And you know what? Sometimes we just make it too hard. Just trust God. He is who he is. You trust him with your salvation. You believe you're saved. So trust him in these things. Work through that frustration because, once again, frustration, you're not going to be able to do anything because you're wasting all your energy in that frustration. So trust God. Forgive those that you need to forgive. And then continue. Don't nurse those, those hurts. One thing I was saying, um, God has given you the victory. You have his peace. Minister Martin just talked about this peace. So don't, don't play the victim when you have the victory. Walk in the victory. You may not feel like you have the victory, but it's not a feeling. 
feelings come, feelings go. But God is, he stays the same. And you stay in that and you trust in that. And that's what we mean by renewing your mind. Every time something comes up that is contrary to the word of God, you bring the word of God back to it. So that's why, um, I don't think I read this. Yeah, I did. Uh, no, I didn't. But um, yes, I did. Is the one we just said. Keep, you got to keep your mind on God. So you got to put the word in. You have to do the work. You have to do the work. You have to practice patience. This is not going to happen overnight. Like I said, you can decide to change. And you can start working in the change. But we learned in sow and reap. You sow the seed, but you don't reap the harvest right away. So you've got to sow that seed and you've got to keep, you've got to keep cultivating that and cultivating that until you, get, until you see those results. But don't stop. But just continue. Do not be discouraged. All right, man. There's so much in this. Time is going to get away from us, but um, and there's a lot in this. So let me let me start here. Okay. So when you marry somebody, and this is the same for anybody, you marry with the understanding that yeah, you don't know all the details of what's coming. Uh, you don't know what tomorrow brings. Uh, you don't know the challenges that will arise. But you think you know enough about this individual that you kind of know their boundaries. You think you know their character. You think them well enough. You think you know them well enough to to trust that they're going to love you the way they're supposed to love you. And and so you think you have all these things down. And so after you enter into marriage, because remember covenant, right? This is a covenant. And so you enter into a covenant. You don't enter into it lightly. And again, now this is a message real quick for those of you who are not married. This is why we tell you you've got to know the person you're marrying. It, it, it still gets me that some people spend more time trying to find a house than they do making a decision on who they're going to marry. Okay, but that's just aside. Let's get back to this question. You're now married. You made a covenant. And we've learned this as well in this ministry. A covenant is only as secure as the integrity of the parties that are involved. And so when you enter into this covenant, you think you know this individual enough. Again, you don't know what the challenges are going to run, but you think you know them enough. But I heard in this question, there was a breach of trust. And a breach of trust meant, to me, this means that, hey, they went outside of the boundaries. I had a reasonable expectation that they would stay within. Now, I don't know exactly what it is because we don't have that amount of detail. Uh, it could be anything. I don't know. I'm not just going to jump to whatever. All right, But I will start here, and I want to make sure this is clear. If it involves hitting, we can't start. That's a non-start. If it involves fisticuffs, if in, in anything like that, now I'm, everything else we're going to say, everything we have said still applies. But I'm, again, I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to advise you separate physically from one another. Not just when you're upset at the time, because there's a temper issue. There's a lack of temperance there. And that will go places you don't want it to go, and it will lead to another area altogether because you don't have the sense enough to separate yourselves physically. Now, I will say this. If you're getting hit upon, you are, it's a shame that you would allow anybody to hit upon you because you don't know who you are. And that's that's going to be important. You need to know who you are. And at the same time, if you're the one doing the hitting, you can't use the uh, blame of, hey, they egged me on. No. You got an issue. Okay? One of you, if not both, God forbid that the both of you have a temper issue. You definitely have to be separated physically. And I'm not saying that's it. But I'm just going off of what we have, and we don't have that amount of detail. So that's the first thing is first. You can do all this other work, but don't be under the same roof doing that kind of, doing the work that needs to be done when you don't have your temper under control. That's dangerous, okay? But, but okay, so let's say that's not it. But whatever happened, 
you're saying that your spouse did something that they weren't supposed to do, or maybe they said something they weren't supposed to say, maybe they were in contact with somebody they weren't supposed to be in contact with. I don't know what it is, but it happened. And because it happened, now you don't think you know the person that you thought you knew. And so there's going to be a lack of trust, and there will be frustration. Now the question is, how do you get past that? All right, because I'm going to tell you right now, it's possible that you can. Okay, it's possible that you can get past that. Now the first thing is, and I, I saw it in this question, is that you said there's a breach, breach of trust, but you've agreed to stay together. That's key. That means you and your spouse, in spite of what has happened, has agreed have agreed that we're going to stay together. That's first and foremost. Okay. And once that agreement is made, now the door is wide open for reconciliation. There can be forgiveness without reconciliation, but there's a relationship involved here. And so for this relationship to go on, there must be reconciliation. Okay? Because without reconciliation, you will never get that trust back again. And marriage is built upon trust. That's why you enter into the covenant. And so you need this trust. And what does it mean to reconcile? It means I'm going to restore what's been lost between these two parties. And trust has been lost. We need to work on restoring the trust that has been lost. This is the restoration of the relationship. And I'll say this. Again, I apologize because I know we talked about this and I I get too carried away with some of these things. But I'm going to talk to you. Whoever asked asked this question, it's too many examples of people, couples, who have differences, severe differences. They blow up, then they get lonely. Then they get back together again to appease the loneliness, but never deal with that difference. And so, they're good for a moment, then they blow up again. Then they get lonely again. And they get back for a moment, never dealing with it, then they blow up again. Don't let that be you. Do not let that be you. And see, the thing about it is, here you are, you're being more and more frustrated in it. Now, you're having your flesh of peace, but you will not have peace that way. Don't let it be you. Here's one thing I want to make sure you understand. You have to reconcile. And as we mentioned about peace, your peace is going to enable you to do the work that you need to do to reconcile. And here you are. You're saying, I've been hurt. They did me wrong. And they may have done you wrong. But here's what I found with reconciliation. This is where we get the word from. God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. He didn't do us wrong. We did him wrong. But who initiated the reconciliation process? Again, this is where the peace is going to be very, very important. Because you won't feel like initiating anything with somebody who you believe violated your trust. But when you have peace with God, you say, I can do this. I can do this. And again, if your peace is in Christ, that means I'm going to walk as he walked. And I found out that he was reviled and he didn't revile again. I found out that he suffered, but he didn't threaten in return. And so this is going to be important. You need to initiate. Now, the work of reconciliation is more than the work of one party. Now, you're going to initiate it, but in the initiation of it, the person who actually did the offending is going to have to be responsible to rebuild that trust. Okay? But you're going to have to have a hard conversation with them to begin it. Now, here's one thing I want to make sure you understand about reconciliation. There needs to be an agreement that there's been a, a breach of what is acceptable. We learn with Christ. Our 
through our, our relationship with Christ. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us. In other words, we have to come in agreement with Christ that what we've done is wrong. And I'm not going to assume that your spouse knows what they did was that severe of a violation. I can't assume that. I, I've learned this in marriage. Some things that I find important, my wife doesn't find important. Now, I'll let her know that it's important. She'll say, yes, yeah, important, but it will never be as important to her as it is to me, and vice versa. So I'm not just going to assume that, yeah, this person really fully understands what they did and how they hurt you. So you're going to have to be able to get them down, sit them down, speak with them, and lay out, this hurt me. This bothered me. But in order for you to have that conversation, I want you to pay attention to some things. I find, I find in the Bible, Esther had to have a hard conversation with King Ahasuerus. I find in the Bible that Abigail had to have a hard conversation with Nabal. Actually, I find that she had to have a hard conversation with David as well. You know, I find that Ruth had to find out how to approach Boaz. And each and every one of these situations, there was a setup. Can I say it that way? There was a setup. You know, with Esther, she had a couple of banquets before she presented the king with what she had to present the king. And if Ruth had to have some information about how do I approach Boaz. And Naomi told her how she could approach Boaz. Abigail was just plain smart. She knew how to approach David. She sent some things before her before she came and she spoke to David. She made sure that the atmosphere was right before she spoke with Nabal. You know, God knows us and he's showing us some things. He's ministering to us some things. This is why you need to know your spouse. You know what things frustrate them. You know what things get them riled up. But you also know when they're at their best. And you know, or you should know, and you need to find out. Maybe this is where prayer needs to be applied. You should know how to get them to that place. How to minister to them. You know, the king, hey, he had his, he had his stomach ministered to. You know, he liked pleasure. That was obvious. But, but hey, Esther's like, I'm going to go there. And I like this about Esther as well. You know, she fasted three days before she did that. She sought the Lord. She said, I think I know, but is it really the right thing to do? And she entered into it. But, but again, all, all this is for this sake. So that you understand, you can't have peace in your marriage. But it starts with your peace with Christ. And with your understanding of who you are in Christ and what you have in Christ, then you can initiate the reconciliation. Because you won't feel like picking up, if this is a wife, you won't feel like picking up his dirty clothes. This guy just violated my trust. Now I want to... Peace. I leave with you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world giveth, giveth I unto you. Because I want you to understand this. If there's any chance that the aroma of Christ is going to enter in, you have to do the work that Christ says or God says must be done in the marriage. You take care of your part. Let me start right, stop right now because otherwise I'll, I'll keep going. I'm sorry. I'm going to jump in there, Minister Martin. Um, it, you, you, it's something in my notes you're talking about Esther fasting. So in this question, um, it was asked, how do I do the personal unseen work? And what Minister Martin was just talking about, creating the atmosphere. So the personal unseen work, you do have to create the atmosphere. First of all, you've got to have the atmosphere internally inside yourself. So what you're going to have to do, we, we talked about date night, right, with a couple. Have a date night with yourself and God. Because you say you want to do the personal, the unseen work. So take some time, quiet time, where you can sit down with God and be open and honest with yourself. God already knows. But this is your time to ask God to open up some things for you. And as a spouse, 
don't don't take this time away from your duties. You know that you have. You still take care of your responsibilities. If you have to wake up in the middle of the night or you have to, you know, turn off the TV, put down the social media, do what you need to do to get this time. Set out some time for you and God. Get your feelings under control. You know, all these things that are going on, get your mind quiet. You may have to fast. When he brought it, as I said, you may have to fast because what you're looking for is you're looking to hear God. And you're looking to hear God. And what you want to do is you want to ask God to show you you. To show you your heart. To show you those things. Like Minister Martin said, what was that breach of trust? It may have been one thing, one action that you said, but it could have been other things that led up to it. So you want to go in and you want to find all those little cracks and those crevices. And you want God to show you those things. And then sit down. And I would say take a pen and paper and write down some questions. Like, do I want a godly marriage? Do I want to do what it takes to reconcile? Not just my spouse want to. Do I want to? Have I counted the cost? Are my, real, are, are my expectations realistic? And you sit down with those questions and you pray and you ask God and then you answer those questions and you read what you wrote and you say, okay, God, so what does that do? At this time, this is between you and God. Work it, work it all out. God may, God may drop it on you in 30 minutes. It may take a few days. But sit down. Get quiet, get with God and hear God and ask him to show you your heart and then ask him to give you direction. Like Minister Martin was saying, so you want to reconcile. You say, yes, I want to reconcile. God, what is, how do I do this? You don't want to be led by your flesh. You, yeah, you don't want to say, I'm lonely, let me go reconcile. No, I'm lonely, let me just go hook up. No, I'm lonely, let the loneliness go. It's there, but you know what? Let God, let God satisfy you. Sit there and say, God, you know what, I'm having some feelings. See, I don't know, maybe it's just me. I tell God stuff like that. You know, some, some frustrated, God, I'm frustrated. Why did, I am so mad, I cannot believe this happened. But you know what? God already knows. So it's not, it's, it's not like I'm hiding it from him. I'm trying to hide it from myself and act like I don't have those feelings or whatever. And when you do that, you can't take care of them. If you don't see, if you don't say, oh, oh, well, I'm not frustrated, I'm not upset, then how can you ever handle it? So you got to let God show you those things. you got to let God lead you out. That goes back to the trust. That goes back to the peace. And all that time, you've got to do what God says. You've got to trust Him. You've got to consistently obey Him. So, yeah, you have to do that personal unseen work. And I believe Minister Martin was talking about reconciliation. With, with reconciliation, both parties are involved. But if you've already decided you want to reconcile... Your spouse is going to have to want to reconcile, but you go in with the attitude of reconciliation. That's why you're going to work on yourself because when you go in, you're like, you know, all those hurts, all those pains, yes, they're there, but I've let God take care of those. I've seen the things that are bothering me. I can now communicate them to you effectively instead of just yelling or crying or giving the silent treatment. Now I'm no longer frustrated. I remember I have peace with God. I've sat down. I've worked on those unseen things, those things that for years have been bothering me or maybe I didn't even know this was the problem. God showed it to me. He showed me how to work through it. Now when I come to you, I can talk to you and have a true conversation instead of, Oh, here are all my feelings. I'm so mad. I'm so upset. I can't believe you did that. Now you can start working towards reconciliation. You already dealt with those things. So you're working it out. You're communicating. You're letting God lead you and guide you 
So that's that's the personal unseen work. I, I know it was what was it? Personal unseen work and realistic. How do you realistically apply it? Consistent obedience and a true change of mind. What does that mean? A true change of mind. It means even Minister Martin just said it. Even when I don't feel like doing it, if I've decided to do it, if I that's why you ask yourself those questions. Do I want a godly marriage? Do I want to trust my spouse again? If I'm the offending spouse, do I want to be trusted again? You know, it sounds like, well, of course, I'm in a marriage. Well, no, write it down, ask yourself, and if you say, yes, I want to be trusted, then you go in and say, well, how can I be trusted? Write down. I can be trusted by coming home on time. You know, if I um, if I spend too much money, I can say, I'm only going to use cash. We're going to sit down and we're going to do this. You write those things down, and then if you're the fi- a spouse that was offended, you say, yes, I want to trust my spouse again. When they come to you with those things, don't be like, well, why are you doing all this? Da-da-da. You know what? You know what? That's not how God came, to, how God was when we came to him. You know, you think about it. When I think about, like Minister Martin said, when I think about reconciliation, I think about being reconciled to God. And he's compassionate towards us. Even when we mess up, he's like, okay. But, you know, we have to go to him and say, God, I messed up. I'm sorry. I, I want to be in right fellowship with you. And he doesn't say, you, not every time, how many times have you heard this? That's not what he does. He says, okay, I love you. You know, so you have to remember, yes, there's, there's been some hurt. There's been breach of trust. And those things are real. I'm not saying that you sweep them under the rug and act like they didn't happen. Because when you do that, they just get worse. But you have to deal with them. You have to say, this is not the thing that's going to control me. I've decided. That's why you sit down and you make those decisions. You say, yes, I want a godly marriage. Yes, I want to reconcile. Yes, I want to be reconciled to my spouse. And then how do you do that? And then you continue in that. Once again, it's a process. And it will take patience and it will take time. But you can do it. God has given you what you need to do it. If you need to stop us, stop us. But I, I want to touch on that real quick about the responsibility of accountability and reconciliation. First, reconciliation is a process. You don't have this time where, hey, I just set up two banquets, now I'm talking to the king, and everything's going to be good from that point on. No, you're initiating the process of reconciliation. And it's very important in this process of reconciliation, when I mention Esther and, and Abigail and Ruth, we look at these women as strong women, but they understood how to approach who they needed to approach. And here's the thing about you. You need to know your value. before. This is why you need to nurture and, and cultivate that peace you have because you need to know your value so that they can't run games on you because people will try to run games on you. I'll tell you this right now. One of the things people like to do, and here I go. So slow me down. But one of the things people like to do is try to flip it. So you approach somebody about, you violated my trust. And then the person who is the offender says, well, if you hadn't, then I wouldn't have. That's a cop-out. They're trying to get over on you. Don't let anybody get over on you like that. How many times have people within all the marriages been tempted? And what they find out is in their temptation, if I do it because my spouse is imperfect, I always fall into the temptation. Because this is a covenant between two imperfect people. So, so don't give me that. So someone can't go and turn it back on me. Well, you know, if you had been more loving, then maybe I wouldn't have violated. No, 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 you made a covenant with me. So, so that's not it. We're, we're going to have to deal with this thing. We're, we're going to have to deal with whatever is causing this. Now, part of this process of reconciliation and with this accountability is going to be you letting your 
spouse know how that trust was violated and how to build that trust back up again. For instance, and again, I don't know, so I can't, I can't just throw just anything out there. But for example, if it was a case of they got in contact with one of their old lovers, can I say it that way? One of their old close friends, and that was the thing that, then you might say, hey, all right, here's how you violated it. And here's how you're going to be. Here's how you're going to be able to build that trust up again. I need all your passwords to all your social media accounts. It might be something as simple as that. Again, and it's very important that you know your value because going in, if you don't know your value, they'll play off of that. They will play off of that and say, "Well, no, I'll give you this, but I won't give you that." Now we're not in a negotiation here. This is about building trust up again. And the, this is why it's so important to have peace with God because if you're not willing to go where you need to go, I still have peace with God. I'm not hard up. I don't need you like that. And if you're going to make it difficult, you know what? God has called me to peace. And I'm, I'm going to stop right there. And I, I just wanted to add, and I'm going to, I'm going to add a, a piece of uh, uh, personal. We're we, we just going to get real. We're just going to be real this morning. Amen. So... Uh, Part of the, the thing, what's been said is, is, is wholeness. You have to know, you have to know your worth. You have to be whole. You are a whole individual without your spouse. You are a complete individual without your spouse. And that is something that I had to learn. Because sometimes when you're married for so long, you get caught up. And remember, I know, you, you become one, but you're still whole. You become one and you walk in the life as one, but you are still whole. And so you have to, again, you don't take, you don't allow someone to put their faults on you, turn it around and try to make it seem like that it's your fault. One thing that I had to come to, to realize is that I was going to, we, we, we mentioned Galatians chapter 5 when I, when I taught this before. It says that there's a liberty. I have liberty and I have freedom to follow after Christ. I have liberty and I have freedom to be what God says that I am. No matter what anybody else says I am, I have the freedom to be what God says that I am. I had to love the Lord my God with all of my heart. Yes, I loved my spouse, but I had to love the Lord my God with all. And the secondary, the man comes second. It comes second. And when I realized I had to love the Lord my God with all and allow him that comes it was about me pleasing the Lord. Then reconciliation can can be possible. I had to Love the Lord my God with all. And that all I wanted was my ways, my ways to please the Lord. I could not worry about what somebody else was doing. I had to decide that I wanted my life to please the Lord. And my life, and, and when, I, when I did that, then that's when I gained more peace with God. That's how you can have peace in the midst of a storm. That's how you can have peace when, all, when everything else is going around you. My peace came from my obeying, my, me knowing, my worth in God. And then I was just going to trust Him. I put it in my mind. I was just going to trust Him and I was going to obey His word. I was going to keep my eyes focused. And I know that's difficult. This is not magic. 
It's not magic. We don't have a magic wand. But the word of God is true. You, if you have not been listening at 10 a.m. on Sundays, you need to tune in. Because this is what, we, what my, our pastor has been talking about. You have to become one with the word. Not what you do. It's what you are. It's who you are. And that's what I had. That is what I had to come to the realization. I was just going to do his work. And I was going to trust him. Whatever God is going to do. And I know that the person that they wrote this. She, she, uh, he or she. I believe it's a she. Mentioned that. That we said that what God is going to do. God is going to do. Yes he is. What God is going to do. What God, God, he's going to do it. But there's a will. You married to a person with a will. Yes. <laughs> you married to a person with a will. And he can only. God can only do what we allow him to do. So in my doing that, yes, no, so no, it didn't end up favorable. I'm saying it didn't end up favorable because, of course, you don't go into a marriage wanting it to end. My marriage did end in the end, but it was favorable because God, I'm not going to allow anything or anyone to come in between what me and my God is doing. So in that case, God knows how. He knows how to put away those hindrances. Amen. And I think that's just so, so vital. In my mind, here it is. Okay. You have control of you. You don't have control of your spouse. But I know this much. If it's going to work, God has given me the way to make it work. So if it doesn't work, because I want to make sure this is understood, nothing we give you is guaranteed to make a marriage last. Because it's not us is you. And not only is it not only you, you are involved with a person who has a will of their own. But you're the believer. You're the believer. If God is going to have any opportunity to do a work in the midst of that marriage, you've got to be in position. You've got to do what he says to do. You have to... Here's my mentality. I'm going to do what it takes. I'm going to be the best husband possible. If your wife, I'm going to be the best wife possible. If they leave, it won't be because of me. It's because they don't know the good thing that they're missing out on. And they may come back one day and realize that I might be gone with, uh, to, uh, to bigger and better things with the Lord, but I'm not going to lose peace over this. But I am going to do what I'm responsible to do so that God can be pleased. Listen, to the, we, we said this before. Patience is critical. We have to wait on the Lord. Wait is not passive. Wait is active. Let me tell you how to wait on the Lord. You ever been to a restaurant before where you're going to spend your money? I mean money. I don't mean McDonald's. I mean money. I mean where they sit you down. You have to wait for a hostess. You get to the table and you're looking for, where's the waiter? And what are you going to do? You're going to put that waiter to work. Because to wait means you're going to serve. So if we're going to wait on the Lord, we're going to serve Him. How am I going to serve him? He's laid out what he wants from us. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's waiting. And I might not have the peace I want in my marriage, but I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm not doing this because, let's say you're a wife. Again, we mentioned Esther and Abigail and Ruth. These are strong women. I'm not submitting myself unto my husband because he's all that. I'm not submitting myself because I'm not all that. I am submitting myself because I know who I am in Christ. I know what I have in Christ. I'm not waiting on you. I'm waiting on the Lord. 
And what, whatever comes, I know that I'm with him. He's with me. And I can have peace no matter the outcome. And I'm going to tell you this. The more you line up with what God has laid out, the more desirable you're going to be to a spouse who has any sense. So that if that spouse says, I don't want this, after you've obeyed God fully, you don't want them. I know, I, we're in church, you're not supposed to say stuff like that. You need to know who you are. Right? But again, the Bible tells us, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, then you, without the word, you're going to minister to them. And I'm, I'm going to tell you, you are more and more desirable the more and more you line up with what God has laid out for you to be. And if any man has any sense, he's going to, be, he's going to say, baby, whatever you got, I want. <laughs> I'd be a fool to leave this. So if they do leave, they are a fool, but you can still have peace with God when the fool is gone. And that's all I'm saying now. That's all, I'm not saying that's the outcome here, but you need to know who you are in Christ. Stand firm in that and know that he will uphold you because there's going to be ups and downs in every marriage. There are going to be disappointments. There are going to be celebrations in every marriage. But you can stay steady. Because you know, hey, when it's rocky, I know who I'm with and I know who's with me. When it's smooth, I know who I'm with. I know who's with me. When the enemy comes in and tries to bring these frustrations and, and, and bring back these thoughts back up to what they did, I know who I'm with and who's with me. That's key to getting through the pro- This is why I say your peace with God gives you the fuel to do the work you need to do for the process of reconciliation. Amen. You cannot forsake that. Amen. All right. Well, we're just about out of time. Um, again, we want you to be sure that you're tuning in consistently to hear what the Spirit of the Living God has for you. Yes, we are addressing these questions and we want those who submitted questions to be tuned in. But any and every one can glean from this information. If you are newly um, engaged, if you are dating or not dating, not even thinking about marriage right now, you, these things you can, in particular these questions, okay? We want you to hone in on these questions that are being asked because, again, these are real people just like you. And with, with real situations and with real circumstances, this is marriage. These are the things that come in marriages. Well, you don't know. You don't know. You don't know what's in that cup. <laughs> you don't know what's in that cup. And just like Minister Martin started out, you have an idea about who you are. And it's important that you know fully as much as you can about the person that you're marrying. But sometimes <clears throat> things happen. Things happen and you don't. And so when these things come up, these are the answers. These are the things that you need to be putting in your toolbox. Things you need to be putting in your toolbox that's going to help you along the way. Let's pray. Ms. Sensen, can I just say one more? This is a little thing I told you it's going to happen. But, but one more thing I do want to say for the person who asked this question. Um, I do want to make sure that you understand that there's a reason why and I'm going to trust that this is a member of this ministry. There's a reason why God has placed you here in this ministry. And part of the 
work of reconciliation might be that you need to be accountable as a couple to another strong couple who is strong in the Lord, who you can trust to go to, who's not going to put your business out there so that they can help you along the way. All right, I, I'm just going to put that out there because that is a tool because we are stronger together. All right, we're going to support one another. Our care is for you. And don't think that you don't have the help you need to where, hey, I'm just going to try to do it on my own, figure it out on my own. No, no, God has placed you here for a purpose, for a reason. There are other couples here who are able and capable of helping you that you can trust, that you can go through, and they can help you through this. Now, they're not going to do the work for you. This is, why, this is one of the reasons why I didn't give you the scripture, because I just want you to work for it. Yeah. That you respect and understand that what's going to take from this point forward is work, and it's worth the work to invest in your marriage. Yeah. Amen. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.